We've all been hurt. We all have scars. And through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can all overcome and we can all be healed. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the sanctuary. You know, God has a way of taking things that are lowly to some and turning them into something pretty great. And it's easy to see that it's the total opposite of how the world works. For example, the Pope has a Pope mobile. The president has a presidential state car. People of wealth are known for their expensive vehicles and taste. You know, they're the awe and spectacle of many. You know, even growing up, I had a friend, and one of his biggest goals in life was just to own a Lexus. You know, and this goes way back in history. It, it said that Julius Caesar tried to ride in a golden chariot pulled by elephants. Um, and, it, you know, if, unsurprisingly, it failed. But the effort was still made. You know, it's also said that Mark Antony had an elaborate chariot and tried to have it pulled by lions. Another plan that didn't work out so well, but again, the effort was made. And it's well documented that even before the time of, uh, you know, before that time, royals and other people of wealth and influence uh, and importance would be carried on these extravagant leaders. You know, those things that have like the the poles and the the the, the chairs on them and all that you see them in like movies and stuff, like Cleopatra, that sort of stuff. You know, and when it came to J Jesus, though, Jesus was different. Jesus is totally different. In uh, Matthew twenty one. Verse 5, again, it's Matthew 21, verse 5. The Bible says, Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. This was something prophesied over 500 years earlier in Zechariah 9.9. Um, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, the Bible says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you. Righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of the donkey, uh, excuse me, the fowl of a donkey. A donkey. An animal widely considered stubborn and dumb. A beast of burden. An animal viewed so unfavorably that it's been used as an insult for generations. Of all the animals, he came on a donkey. Not a giraffe, not a bear, not a horse, but a lowly donkey. Why? Why? For a couple reasons. One, to fulfill prophecy. That's pretty important right there. Two, to show his own humility at the time, affirming his messianic royalty. Now, I'll propose a third thing being shown here. Notice that he's riding in a, on a donkey. And her cult. You know, there's no better way to lead an unbroken cult down a crowded street than to do so with its own mother next to it. it sounds very similar to Mary throughout Jesus' life as well, doesn't it? You know, she was there to support him through and through from the beginning until the very end. We know this. The Bible tells us this. Alright. Now, Jesus, he could have chosen to be flashy. Could have gone the other way. Now, the reality is, donkeys are extremely intelligent. They're very loyal, cautious, affectionate, and very charismatic. But that doesn't change how they're viewed. You know, I've mentioned in the past that they were the work trucks of their day. So they were anything but flashy. Uh, anything but flashy. They, they were the beat-up, all-dependable pickup truck 
that you trust to get the job done. You know, and, and God, God loves beat up and broken things. Well, how do we know this? It's throughout the Bible. We see it everywhere. Um, look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 through 13. Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 through 13, the Bible says, On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Sinners. That's all of us. You, me, all of us. <coughs> not not only that, but you look at the people who constantly went out to Jesus. It wasn't the wealthy and the well-off people of that day. It was the broken, the sick, the lame, the blind, the mute, the crippled, the starving, possessed people, uh, and, and even leprous people. People who were at rock bottom. You know, just as this donkey was being broken, so are we. You know, and that's what the devil wants. He wants us broken and he wants us turned away from God. You know, and I'll point out that the donkey was specially earmarked for Jesus. You know, we, we know this not only because of the prophecy, but even just looking at it. When looking from the top down, you'll find a marking on donkeys. And it's more prominent on some than on others because of the way the, the, the fur and all kind of blends together. But you'll notice it has a cross on its back. And just as the donkey was especially was, was earmarked for Jesus, so are we. If we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we accept him and begin to follow him, we become his. We're earmarked, we're set aside for him. All right. Now, why is all this important? Well, to answer that, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. So, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, the Bible says, Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands with, without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Now, this scripture is talking about us needing to be modest and not flaunting ourselves. But this, you know, and, and, and it's talking about like, you know, that outward appearance. And, but this also, this also applies in other areas of our lives as well. You know, remember in, in Matthew chapter 6, the Bible tells us that our treasures are in heaven, not here on earth. So, you know, it's, it's not just about cars, but as a society, we've turned into absolute trash pandas. We'll buy up and hoard just about anything, from the latest and greatest to the stuff we hold on to in the hope that it will become a collector's item and worth a hefty price one day. You know, I'll remind you of the idiom, he who dies with the most toys still dies. And just as we entered this world with nothing, we leave it with nothing. None of it goes with us. All right. Um, when uh, the, the tomb of King Tut was found, paintings, statues, thousands and thousands of different treasures were found within. And then, of course, they found the elaborate stone sarcophagus. And as it was open, they found a casket and then another, a total of three amazing caskets. Each, each one had even more treasures within it. 
And of course, the, the final casket, which contained the body, it was made of gold. Then, of course, the body itself was wrapped in riches. But underneath all this stuff, it was what the, what they found was still a withered, decomposing body of the dead person that was inside. Matthew 23, verses 13 through 15, the Bible says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea with, to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. We, we see something very similar when we look at Ephesians 2, um, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions. And in sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. See what the what the word is telling us here in these verses. It's despite all the tinsel and flair, the beauty and grace. It, it doesn't matter how wonderful people look on the outside when they're still dead on the inside. They're in more need of spiritual CPR than ever, but they're more caught up. And what the world says instead. So they miss the gift that Jesus has given to those who accept it. And not only do they miss the mark, but these quote-unquote influencers also lead others away from God. They're a virus that infects everyone they touch. They're contagious. Like a lot of the media today. A lot of those quote-unquote influencers. You know? And... and It'll, it's referred to as being uh, charismatic, you know, that they have charisma, but let's call it what it is. It's a virus. Some of the most outwardly beautiful people in the world are also some of the ugliest inside because they're spiritually dead. A literal zombie walking around because they don't even realize that they're dead. Yet it doesn't need to be this way. It can be, and it should be different. The Japanese have a practice called uh, kintsugi, where they take things that are broken and repair them with silver or gold or bronze or something like that. And rather than trying to, to cover something up or replace it, these things are, are basically left with this beautiful scar that's a part of their history. And, and they do this with things from cups to walls, anything that an owner deems is in need of that healing. It comes from the idea that through adversity, something or someone can be made more beautiful and that it's their history that makes them valuable. All right. So um, another thing in another part of the world here. So in certain parts of London, the fencing in front of buildings has a very distinguished and uniform look. 
and it's because in World War II, much like here in the U.S., certain metals were in high demand for the war effort. Um, you know, metal was taken up from all over the place. Uh, stretchers were made of steel poles and metal mesh wiring. And after the war, there were a ton of these stretchers left over. They didn't know what to do with it at first. And someone came up with the idea, and a decision was made to have these stretchers welded together vertically, fixed onto poles, and then, and then placed into the concrete and used to replace the missing fencing uh, around uh, different buildings and homes that was taken during the war. Um, in fact, uh, when you look at the at the at this fencing, the, those little bends and the poles that were used to make like a type of legging, um, so that they weren't just laying flat on the ground, you can still make them out very very easily. So when you know you're looking at some of these fences, that fence that someone's looking at as they walk by may well have been used to save someone's life. You know, uh, so so while we all have scars. We are not without use. These scars, they're just a part of our history, a part of our testimony. When God heals us, he's working on our insides. He's taking that corpse and he's bringing it back to life, much like Lazarus. You know, Jesus himself was scarred when he was put on the cross and pierced for our transgressions. Yet he rose. And in the book of John, chapter 20, verse 20, the Bible says, after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And John goes on to tell about Thomas, who doubted and wouldn't believe that this happened unless he could touch Jesus' wounds himself. So in John chapter 20, verse 27, the Bible says, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach your hand out. I'm sorry. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So after Thomas put out the challenge, Jesus is like, ha, challenge accepted. So he's scarred just like us. He knows our pain because he's felt it. And I'm here to tell you that he who made you can and will repair you. In, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Give your life to Jesus and he'll give you the Holy Spirit. The old you will pass away. We are not reformed. We are not rehabilitated. We are not re-educated when these things happen or when this happens. What we are is recreated. And by being recreated, we start to heal. Now, some things take much longer to heal than other things. But we do heal. Our perspective changes from the world to the cross. We become a part of God's family, and we have a new take on life. So join me now in Revelation chapter 21. So Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 through 4. 3 through 4, the Bible says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. All those hurt, those aches and pains, 
they're all healed. All those hurts, those aches and pains, they're all healed, every single one. When we look away from the world and we look to Jesus, we find what we need. He came into the world humble. He rode a donkey into Jerusalem humble. He took the cross for us humble. And he'll forever be humble. And we know this because in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, the Bible says, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, forever humble. And that, that is what we need to inspire to be as well, humble. Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. The Bible tells us about Jesus speaking to a young rich man. The man is asking how to inherit eternal life. He says he's followed the commandments throughout his life. Jesus tells him that even though he's done this, he's still lacking something very important and goes on to tell him that what he needs to do is to sell all of his belongings, give it all to the poor, and then to follow him. He even told the man that if he did this, he'd have treasures stored up in heaven. But the man was saddened. He's basically defeated. You see, it's hard to give up power and prestige. It's hard to give up perceived security. It's hard to give up what the world says is your identity. Yet, you still need to rebrand. Rebrand from the world to Jesus. Here's, and it, you know, here's the thing. Here's what that man missed. Jesus isn't telling us to give up everything that we've been blessed with. What he's telling us is we need to give up anything and everything in our lives that has become more important than God. And to follow Jesus, you will need to give up something. But what you give up here on earth, you'll be rewarded for in heaven. And that is eternal. So humble yourself. You don't need the fancy stuff all the time. Stop being a trash panda. Let go of those things that you really don't need. And, you know, if someone you know will benefit from it, give it to them. If not, give it to a shelter or goodwill. And along the way, if it can point the way to Jesus, then you'll be passing along an extra blessing in the process. Because you're pointing the way to God. In the process of trusting the Lord, for what you need, you'll find your scars are being filled in with his light. Even though it may not feel like it now, you're not truly broken. What you are is changing into something more beautiful. Trust the process. Trust Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary, or you can visit our website at BeTheLightSanctuary.org. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. God bless.